0: How are y'all doing today? All right, all right. So, um, yeah, basically, just wanna share the short film that we have. Um, it's titled America Street. America Street is a street in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, maybe some of you are familiar. It's on the east side downtown. Um, basically, just I'm gonna give you guys a little background uh, about the film, and most importantly, kind of the the ideology that we employ in making documentary film, which is what I call activist filmmaking. Um, so we started this project back in January. Uh, so we've been working on it for about nine months, but a lot of the ideas came from earlier than that when uh, myself and a few friends back in Charleston, uh, we were still in school at the College of Charleston, and we got kind of interested in food as kind of a, a central issue for a lot of, you know, to a lot of social problems. Uh, health, um, just typical, like, uh, you know, healthy community-wise, or or the breakdown of communities, you know, and how, how food really plays into that. So, I had originally got involved on in the America Street neighborhood by uh, participating in, like, a community garden, and I got the responsibility of being in charge of this community garden, and while I was, we were letting the kids uh, at the local Boys and Girls Club vote on what they wanted to grow uh, in the garden, and the first thing that one little boy suggested was chicken wings. (laughs) And we're like, well, you know, we could raise chickens and eventually, you know, get chicken wings, so, you know, not quite, but, you know, do you have another idea? And he's like, uh, cornbread. like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we could we could grow corn and eventually get cornbread, and basically it became very apparent very early that uh, these kids had no idea where their food was coming from at all. There was a total disconnect, and by spending more and more time in the neighborhood and just speaking with, uh, particularly the elders in the neighborhood, about the way things used to be, especially in Charleston, where there's this really strong connection to the Gullah Geechee people and who consistently maintain a very strong connection to the land and where their food comes from and that seemed to have been completely lost on the the youth in Charleston and, and it seemed like it was something that was going on everywhere and it just so happened as well that you know we were investigating this um, on a street called America Street you know which I, I found kind of ironic and very indicative of, of what was going on everywhere in this country the disconnect from between people and their food and a lot of the problems that's arisen out of that. So, so we decided that we were going to try to make a documentary film about what was going on on America Street in terms of food. And we, the biggest thing to me was seeing the disconnect between the elders and the kids. And you know, we were fortunate enough to have so many elders share stories with us about, you know, they were talk about like, oh, right over there people used to have livestock, they had goats in their front yard, everybody used to grow vegetables, like, people were so much healthier back then, it was the same story all the time, you know, every every conversation was the same in that regard, and the little kids didn't know anything about it, so at the same time, the east side of Charleston's a pretty close community, you know, to outsiders, it's very difficult, I'm not from Charleston, I've only been there for four years, um, I just went to school there, and so coming into that from the outside, it was kind of difficult, um, and it, again, it was really only like the elders that really kind of took us in, and few at that, so we decided, well, let's try to connect the kids and the elders, So, we, but we were continuing doing the garden, and like we brought a farmer out from Johns Island, it was a r- very rural area uh, outside of Charleston, he came in, like planted with the kids, and you know, started to get their minds going, and Somebody told me, this guy Fred Phillips who started the Children's Garden Project in Charleston, he mentioned one time to me, he's like, yeah, the least important thing that you're growing in a community garden is the vegetables. Yeah, it's really about sowing knowledge you know, in these kids' heads and yeah, just trying to connect them with where their food's coming from. So, on to kind of the ideology as to, okay, how are we going to shoot this film? Um, to me, I call it activist filmmaking, and basically that means you're making a film about a certain social or political issue in order to bring about positive social change but in actually doing that in the process you can be bringing about positive social change okay so what does that mean basically first of all you have to do it with the community and that means you know letting the people drive the storyline letting them drive the interview questions i would eventually that that would imply letting people film and edit and do all that stuff so as you can imagine that would be an extremely lengthy process and we did not succeed in everything along those lines um... because we were in school and working and another one of the guys was playing sports like it was very difficult we weren't living on america street we couldn't fully embed ourselves in the community so we had to figure out a way to kind of like do our best to give voice to the people and really let their their ideas drive the film So what we did, we decided to break it into some stages. And so we identified the people that we wanted to, that we thought we wanted to interview, which was based on some community leaders in the neighborhood who suggested those people. We met with them. Um, We talked about what we were hoping to accomplish. And eventually we came up with interview questions together that uh, we would then do a filmed interview. And so this America Street, people's short as we call it, is 17 minutes long. It's mainly kind of a montage of interviews. Um, this was not intended to really be shown to everybody. This this short film was the stepping stone uh, to make up for the fact that we couldn't really be embedded in the community full time. So basically we let them drive the, the questions and everything. We put this short together and then we went back and talked to everybody that is in this as well as um, maybe about 20 so people and uh, also to a community center showing where we got feedback and so what we did with the feedback then from this one is we're gonna use that to drive like the full-length version which is gonna be like 45 minutes to an hour and so it was basically like showing them what we have and then hopefully stimulating ideas as to what we could accomplish with that the end goal being that the film can be distributed to community centers All over the United States um, to be used to initiate discussion about these issues and hopefully inspire action in communities Um, so that's that's kind of the idea behind activist filmmaking and to me and uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and show this I don't think there's there's plenty more things to talk about I suppose but we'll just show this then afterwards uh, I'll probably have a few comments that we could open up for some discussion and maybe kind of expand on some of the ideas behind activist filmmaking and what the what the process was like. All right, so hopefully you all enjoyed it, and uh, I've got a just a few things I wanted to address that uh, I felt like I left out beforehand that maybe would have been helpful, but hopefully the rest of the stuff can just come out in some questions. Um, the first thing is, uh, basically, none of us, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with like the way that this turned out so far, but none of us had any, any formal like experience with filming or anything like that. And, but we were really, we were really lucky at the College of Charleston to have the Center for the Documentary, which was a place that was open to all students of any faculty. You know, it didn't matter like whether you're a biology student and want to make a documentary about frogs or if you're a poli-sci student and wanted to make a documentary about a local election. Their mission was to make documentaries about South Carolina and to assist students in making documentaries about whatever they wanted. Well, they hooked us up the first time that we worked on a film project, which was about two years ago. Um, they gave us a little bit of money, they gave us some gear, they gave us a crash course in filming and all this stuff. So. That was awesome, and that really inspired me um, that, although, you know, it was part of an academic institution, you're paying to go there, it's kind of, you might almost expect an institution to have something like that, but regardless, the passion of the people that were running the show there were, it was incredible, and they took on a political issue about uh, water pollution in South Carolina and happened to uh, start looking into certain power companies in South Carolina, which, just so happened to be major donors to the College of Charleston. And uh, the woman who ran the center, uh, Virginia Friedman, who had worked there for over 20 years and had won an Emmy for work, uh, was approached during two summers ago in which she was told that the center for the documentary no longer fit into the core mission statement of the College of Charleston and that she should have her office cleaned out by 5 o'clock that day. Um, I was offended by that, to say the least, especially being like a student that, um, had really utilized that center to all of its potential. So after that, I was like, well, they obviously really teed some people off. Uh, I was like, that's what I want to do. So <laughs> so that kind of that, that was the birth of uh, Tierra, Tierra Unida films, which um, for any Spanish students in the room, you understand. But basically kind of the idea of like united earth, united land. And uh, we focus on, I want to focus on the Americas, and our logo, therefore, is the Americas, which traditionally you see as North, Central, and South. But in ours, on its side, uh, we didn't have the logo done when we made this, so it's not up here yet. But I'll write out the name of the website and everything, and people can check it out. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention—sorry, uh, I gotta look at these. Um, it was actually it came out of what what Bill Saunders said, because like I said, you know, we didn't have any formal training. It's more that, you know, I see film, digital media, basically, in our day and age for, you know, our age group to be a true potential uh, revolutionary tool, really. Um, It is, I mean, it could even be so far used as a nonviolent weapon in a struggle. you know, it's, and I think that's something that was, was really highlighted this past year in the Middle East. You know, I'm sure a lot of people saw a lot of footage come out of there. There was some really creative work that came out of that that, you know, that like, I mean, just watching some of the stuff that people put together creatively, not just, I mean, it's one thing to shoot something with your iPhone and you can maybe, maybe you capture somebody you get beat on the street by a police officer or something and you upload it and all of a sudden it like, you know, gets people pumped up and they take to the streets to protest, but, you know, there's some when you add that creative element to it, especially, and and if you can assist the people that are living it to add their creative element to it, and try to get that emotion out as to what they were feeling in that moment, you know that's a that's a power that's like virtually untapped basically up until now. And now it's possible because, I mean, you can get like a pretty professional camera setup and audio, which we didn't even have for this. We we're shooting on a little uh, Sony HDV. Um, I mean, it has a decent picture, but, you know, you blow it up to the size, and it doesn't even look good. You know, it's, but now, you, for, like, 5Gs, you can get, like, you know, good HDSLR camera and audio equipment and everything. And, I mean, you can essentially become, like, a, you know, a, a mobile documentary unit, which is uh, basically our our motif. So, um, so, but it goes back to what Bill Saunders, uh, the gentleman sitting in... The room. The older man who started off the thing. He said, "You know, you don't do it for the glory. You don't do it because people are going to look up to you. They're going to respect you. You know, you don't. You're not doing it for any of those reasons. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. You know, and it's it's a real honor to be here today and be invited to speak to everybody about this. And obviously, a lot of people are interested, which is very refreshing and, and feels good because I'll tell you, like when and it's something that." Also, didn't really come across in this because we hadn't moved to America Street yet when this was shot. Uh, Like I said, it's the kind of the seed for all this started on America Street um, because that's where we saw the problem happening, but it's such a closed community that we didn't show up with cameras to America Street for six months. This was done before we ever showed up to America Street with cameras because we wanted to show the people on America Street what we had so that... You yeah, know, that really helped gain a lot of trust by then because people were like, okay, these guys aren't messing around. Like, they're serious about this. They've taken the time to do it right. And it was well-received, and we had a community showing, and it was really cool. I had a big discussion. Everybody was in a circle. I mean, we were talking about stuff like race and food access with, like, ten people from the neighborhood, ten people from outside. I mean, it was like a – that was a real victory, you know, but they were few and far between. Like, you know, those, those highlights were uh, brief – flashes in between like you know trying to work in the neighborhood where there's really only a few people that were really supportive and a lot of people I mean like they just like you know they just a lot of people just give you a look like what are you doing here you know it's probably like people practically like, spit in your face and but that's what you got to remember when you're doing something like this that like that's what the struggle is about you know that's that's what uh you know, trying to be a revolutionary is about it's it's when you're struggling for people when they don't even care when they when they think you're an idiot for doing it. You know, you're just trying to do something positive. That you know that that's what really makes it worth it. So, I just those are the few of the things that maybe it was better to say afterwards anyway. But um, yeah, if anybody's got any questions, I'd be happy to talk about some stuff. Questions on the film. Questions about Queen Quet She's awesome. Um, yeah, well, we got a lot of feedback, which was great. and that was uh, that was the hope. Some people hardly responded with anything. Some people we never even got there. Uh, we we did form a questionnaire that was more of a formality, but you know, to go along with like personally sitting down with the people. Um, we really tried to keep it, even this, we really tried to keep it focused on what we had discussed with the people as to what they thought should be talked about. Um, the most interesting thing that came out and I don't know, I'm not from the South, I'm originally from Cleveland, um, and so I know that the you know history here is very different, race relations are very different here and it was something when we went to the Low Country Food Bank which was extremely supportive of our project and they're probably going to help us distribute it to um, other food banks in the country, and then hopefully to like community centers from there. But we sat down with like 30, maybe 20 people at the food bank. And we showed the film, and then we had a discussion about it. And one of the biggest things that came out of it was, you know, it's called America Street, you know, in part because this is going on everywhere in America. They're like, it needs to be more diverse. And, like, you know, why was it just focused on the black community? And the answer to that was that that just happened to be the community that we were in. You know, I mean, people say, like, well, even America Street in Charleston, there's there's white people and Hispanics. It's at least 95% black. And the people that stepped up to want to work with us all happened to be black. So it was just like, you know, uh, to me it was more, I felt like, I actually was happy that it turned out this way because, to me, it was more like other communities... I mean, it's no its its no secret. People, they, they stick together, you know? And especially in... I mean, where I'm from, it's very ethnically divided, although among whites. It's like you got Irish neighborhoods and Italian neighborhoods, and people stick together there. So, like, to me, it was like I was hoping that somebody would... You know, maybe a Puerto Rican community sees it, and they could pull all the same stuff, you know? Like uh, you know, rather than the farmer out on John's Island, maybe it's just a guy down the road that they can think of and like kind of put in his place or the guy talking about the medicine and, you know, I, I mean, I, I feel like every community can, uh, could identify with that. And I felt like it was easier rather than making some like cheesy, like here's the Asian man commenting on it and the Puerto Rican guy and the black guy, and the white, you know, like, a like a fourth grade social studies book. Like, I don't know, that's not the reality of experience. So, you know, that's, does that answer your question? Come on, no, there's more questions. Well, what I would like to see happen with the film is again, well, let me preface that with, you know, like I said, this, this short version was only intended to be shown really to the people that were in the film and the neighborhood to use as a stepping stone. And we put it on our website and it got really well received and all sorts of people saw it. And, you know, I figured, well, you know, if it can at least lead to some discussion, that, that's another thing, it, the idea of the activist filmmaking that, like we're creating some kind of positive at least motion, you know, in in the process, you know. Films take a long time to make. There's no there's no reason to hide it in your in your editing lab, you know, and then come out with it at the end and like, here, here it is, you know, final product, you know. It's it's been an experience for me. I mean, I got to sit down with all these incredible people and talk with them for hours and hours. Like, I mean, it's been a growing process for myself, you know. I de- I feel like I've developed a lot just as a as a person and so at the end, when we have hopefully like a 45 minute to an hour long version, where we're really going to focus more on the food access part. We need, we need a storyline. I mean, there's no story here, basically. It's just a bunch of people with a lot of really good things to say. And uh, so we want to kind of have a storyline around food access and focus on traditional food access, modern, and then kind of what I call submodern. Um, and then... What I want to see happen is through the Lowcountry Food Bank, they said that they would help us out distribute it. So I figure we can send, if we get a, there's like 300, let's just say 200. There's 200 food banks in the country that would receive it. We make 1,000 copies of the DVD, so we could send out five copies to each food bank. I imagine there's got to be at least one person there that would be passionate about the idea and would know, you know, five people in the city that the food bank distributes to, that they could, you know, Make sure to put the copy in somebody's hand. That's something else I learned. Like, stuff doesn't get done without one person, at least one person, just being like on the ball all the time. So, if one person at each of these places could find, you know, a community center or a soup kitchen that would want to have a showing, you know, all of a sudden you've got a thousand places across the country that are watching the film and you know, hopefully, uh, inspiring people to to do, you know, start community gardens, um, anything really. The you know the the opportunities are endless, really. That's all I want for it. <laughs> Come on. And since you mentioned Queen Quit, <laughs> uh, is there a golden the Nation? A new concept to me. Uh, my understanding is that it stretches from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida, and basically includes all the people who you know have descended from slaves who have maintained their connection to the land more or less who speak Gullah or at least Geechee which is the pidgin language in between English and Gullah Um, Gullah itself is an actual language it's uh, it originally developed from a slave trading language on the western coast of Africa between African slave traders and European slave traders as a means to communicate, and I believe there's, like, English, Yoruba, Portuguese, all sorts of stuff mixed in with that. You know, it's been oftentimes criticized and probably fueled more by racism than anything else that it was, like, kind of assumed to be this, like, dumbed-down version of English or something, you know, like, as if, like, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a joke, you know, it's so stupid, but it's, uh, if you, people have, you know, linguists have studied it, and it actually has, it's more of an African linguistic structure so that's why the words are all mixed up it's not because they don't know where to put the words in the right place it's that that that's what like it's more based on Yoruba I believe uh, and uh yeah I'm I, I just I had, you know understood there about the, the culture and the language but is it actually a nation she she was talking about a nation sure like, sure sorry I got a little United off <laughs> I'm not sure what the United Nations, like what the status requirements are, but I would believe that it's more akin to something like a Native American nation in the United States um, in that, you know, maybe their political land boundaries cross, you know, states, lines, and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, in that sense, I believe... I mean, yeah, I, I do believe it is considered an official nation. Any questions about like the actually filmmaking process or anything like that? I was just curious how you how you kind of support doing this. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of time and I assume you need I, to eat. Yeah, I don't eat that often, so <laughs> which is annoying when you're working on a food a uh, food access film. Yeah. Now, it's, it's been all paid for out of pocket um, with uh, a couple of my friends and I. Like I said, I mean, we we had really, really low tech gear. Um, I just got a nice camera upgrade and better audio equipment. So everything that um, I'll be producing, which people can check out on the Tiranita Films website, it's going to look a lot better. Um, which kind of puts me in a bind because this project isn't done. Um, it's... It's taken a lot longer than I had originally anticipated, and I've actually already committed to uh, going to Nicaragua for six months. I eventually plan on moving down there and uh, and continuing this idea of activist filmmaking down there and trying to really give voice to uh, a lot of indigenous communities. That's kind of the uh, the end focus. So I'm going down there for six months. I actually leave on Monday, and uh, and so when I come back, it's going to be like okay. Well, I have all this experience shooting with these nicer cameras, and then if we're going to sync video with this, you know, I might have to go back to using the little handy cam. So that's going to be fun. But if anyone would like to donate to Tiro Nita Films, you're more than welcome to. We have no money. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, did you have a question, sir? Um, how do you how did you get um, people to participate in your film? Did sure. You kind of like I said, uh. Being involved in that garden with the Boys and Girls Club in the neighborhood was really like my foot in the door, kind of. Um, You know, we just kept at it. We were, you know, we were working on this garden for almost a year. And so, you know, I, I just started spending time with people in the neighborhood. Like, you know, you go down the street to, you know, get a Gatorade or something, just start talking to the people working there. And it was actually, it was really interesting. There was kind of a kind of crazy sequence of events that led us to meet this one really key figure that... My buddy Lucas and I, we were just walking down America Street one day when we were really starting to think about this. We were in a political science capstone. It was like our last class last spring um, as seniors at College of Charleston. And uh, we were just walking down America Street, and there's just some older guys hanging out. And we had heard about, like, that there used to be – that, like, people used to grow a lot of food down there and everything. So we just went over and asked these gentlemen, we're like, you know, what did things used to be like around here, you know? And we're just interested. Uh, we're taking this class, and blah blah blah. And so they start telling us like, oh yeah, they used to have chickens over there, goats over there, all this stuff. And they're like, you know, you really got to talk to you got to talk to this guy Harold Green. Harold Green, what worked for the Eastside Community Development Center on America Street. And we caught him as he was rushing out the door. And these like this old guy took us down to him. Harold, you got to talk to these guys. He talks for a second. He's like. He's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but who you really need to talk to is Joseph Watson. And I never would have met Joseph Watson because Joseph Watson works in this little, it's his mom's shop. It's painted all black on the outside. It, look, it really does look like a little cave. Like, you can't see inside. It's like, you just never really think to go in, you know. It's just kind of out of the way. And Harold Green died like two days after that, which was uh, really sad. And, um, but it was like... I don't know, it was just it was kind of crazy to think that it was like kind of one of the last things he did was point us over to Joseph Watson. just Watson ended up putting us in touch with almost everybody. So we're definitely dedicating uh the film to him. So random sequence of events is the best answer for uh finding people. <laughs> and we interviewed a lot more people than was in here, you know, and, and you don't use everybody, and that's you know, especially when you're trying to do it with the community, it's kind of weird. Like you don't want to offend someone. It's not. It's like it's not like it wasn't anything substantive or interesting. It just didn't fit. You know, some people were a little <coughs> turned off by that, but whatever. You know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What do you attribute your activist roots to? Um, I studied. I had the opportunity to study abroad in Cuba, and um, in Cuba, well. It's been kind of a, I would say it's kind of a long history. But when I was 16 years old, I had the opportunity to go on vacation on one of those like nice, all-inclusive uh, resort vacations in the Dominican Republic. And uh, you know, the first thing they do is they give you the little bracelet saying that you can drink as much as you want that week for free. And then the next thing they do is tell you, don't go down to the public beach. Uh, just stay on the hotel beach. And I found that really odd. So the first thing I did was go down to the public beach and which you had to pass guards with shotguns. And they, the guy said in broken English, he's like, use your head. And I was like, all right, man, got it. <laughs> and I was more interested in just practicing my broken Spanish at the time. And then we got to go on this really kind of repulsive idea of a uh, almost like a safari through you know, a developing country. I'm sure many other people may be aware of these. They basically leave the resort. You drive around the shanty towns and basically feel sorry for all the poor people there and that was really uh it something just switched in that moment you know i was like i need to I need to learn Spanish so I can talk to these people and and uh figure out what's going on down here. I was only sixteen and I didn't really know much and so um then I got the opportunity to study in Cuba. It was one of the reasons I went to college Charleston they're one of eight schools in the country that has a program there, and so uh went down there, and this guy, Umberto Miranda, who is a true revolutionary and a philosopher, he works for the Institute of Philosophy, he's got like the best gig ever, he just gets paid to think by the Cuban government, and uh, and we got to, he was like our, our leader, our mentor, everything in Cuba, he was a teacher, he did everything, he ran the show, and uh, we were there for three months in Havana, and it was in that time that I got turned on to the idea of Um, of different realities, basically. Uh, Umberto kind of conveyed the idea to us that, you know, Cuba is not better or worse than the United States. It's simply a different reality. And I found that to be very true. And I also realized that he treated us with as much respect as he would Fidel Castro, you know, that, well, sure, you know, maybe some authority, uh, has more experience and has some big position, but he doesn't have the experience of maybe living under that, uh, regime or whatever, you know, that, that, you know, a, a middle schooler has a, is experiencing reality in a way that today that I would never experience, you know, just as, uh, you know someone who works here at the University of South Carolina uh... doesn't have my experience uh... that doesn't make either better or worse it's simply that you can learn from everyone all the time and to start building a more complex picture and I you know I it's kind of with all that that I have come to kind of view the world and um, kind of see things in layers of reality and that's one of the perks of trying to be a documentary filmmaker is that you kind of get to try to peel away those layers and expose them to people in an appropriate manner. More questions about reality? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'd like for people to visit our site too. especially related to weight loss and nutrition. like I said um, I'm moving to Nicaragua on Monday, and I plan on doing a lot of video work down there. And um, there's an election coming up very soon that might might be covering some of that. Um, definitely doing a lot of interviews. So anything that we produce will be available at www.tirunetafilms.org. And th- this is actually one other thing that I, r- I really would like to mention. Um, you know, I don't know how many people here are, you know, maybe interested in, uh, you know. Political and social injustice in the Americas, but on this website, like we basically had it customized, built by a guy who really gets like everything that we're trying to do, and and it's kind of optimized for discussion about issues like that. So, you know, like a lot of groups, like you know, say a college, there's a there's a group called SurLa up in Ontario, the Students United in Representation of Latin America, and they do a really good job of posting articles and videos and all this stuff and have people discuss it but it's on Facebook and a well I'm sure like the powers that be are watching everything but you know it's uh it's Facebook's not really optimized for discussion like this and like we had our site optimized for like good solid discussion where people can go back and forth and respond to each other and post new articles and all that stuff so you know being a generation that really uses the internet all the time I think like, we need to make that step to like also incorporate our you know political and social views and to like try to try to utilize it and I mean, it's there for free for everybody and you know I really I'm, I'm hoping that we can build almost like a network and it would also be a place to to kind of like oh wow this person keeps commenting they seem interested in what I am like you know you can contact them through that and maybe build something from there so it'd be cool if people check it out thank you again alright so hopefully y'all enjoyed it, and uh, I've got a, just a few things I wanted to address that uh, I felt like I left out beforehand that maybe would have been helpful, but hopefully the rest of the stuff can just come out in some questions. Um, the first thing is, uh, basically, none of us, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, like, the way that this turned out so far, but none of us have any, any formal, like, experience with filming or anything like that, and but we were really, we were really lucky at the College of Charleston to have the Center for the Documentary, which was a place that was open to all students of any faculty, you know, it didn't matter, like, whether you're a biology student and want to make a documentary about frogs or if you're a poli student and wanted to make a documentary about a local election. Their mission was to make documentaries about South Carolina and to assist students in making documentaries about whatever they wanted. Well. They hooked us up the first time that we worked on a film project, which was about two years ago. Um, They gave us a little bit of money. They gave us some gear. They gave us a crash course in filming and all this stuff. So that was awesome. And that really inspired me um, that, although, you know, it was part of an academic institution. You're paying to go there. It's kind of, you might almost expect an institution to have something like that. But regardless, the passion of the people that were running the show there were, it was incredible. And they took on a political issue about uh, water pollution in South Carolina and happened to uh, start looking into certain power companies in South Carolina, which just so happened to be major donors to the College of Charleston. And uh, the woman who ran the center, uh, Virginia Friedman, who had worked there for over twenty years and had won an Emmy for work, uh, was approached during two summers ago in which she was told that the Center for the Documentary no longer fit into the core mission statement of the College of Charleston, and that she should have her office cleaned out by five o'clock that day. Um, I was offended by that, to say the least, especially being like a student that um, had really utilized that center to all of its potential. So after that, I was like, well, they obviously really teed some people off. Uh, I was like, that's what I want to do. So, <laughs> so. That kind of that that kind of was the birth of uh, Tierra, Tierra Unida Films. Which, um, for any Spanish students in the room, you understand. But basically, kind of the idea of like United Earth, United Land, and uh, we focus on. I want to focus on the Americas, and our logo therefore is the Americas, which traditionally you see as North, Central, and South. But in ours, on its side, uh, we didn't have the logo done when we made this, so it's not up here yet. But I'll write out the name of the website and everything, and people can check it out. But um... The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, sorry, I gotta look at these. Um, it was actually it came out of what what Bill Saunders said because, like I said, you know, we didn't have any formal training. It's more that, you know, I see film, digital media, basically, in our day and age, for you know our age group, to be a true potential uh, revolutionary tool, really. Um, it is, I mean it could even be so far used as a nonviolent weapon in a struggle. Um, you know, it's, and I think that's something that was, was really highlighted this past year in the Middle East. You know, I'm sure a lot of people saw a lot of footage come out of there, there was some really creative work that came out of that, that, you know, that, like, I mean just watching some of the stuff that people put together creatively, not just, I mean it's one thing to shoot something with your iPhone, and you can maybe, maybe you capture somebody get. Beat on the street by a police officer or something and you upload it and all of a sudden it like you know gets people pumped up and they take to the streets to protest but you know there's some when you add that creative element to it especially and, and if you can assist the people that are living it to add their creative element to it and try to get that emotion out as to what they were feeling in that moment you know that's a that's a power that's like virtually untapped basically up until now and now it's possible because I mean, you can get like a pretty professional camera setup and audio, which we didn't even have for this. We are shooting on a little uh, Sony HDV, um, I mean, it has a decent picture, but, you know, you blow it up to the size and it doesn't even look good. You know, it's, but now, you, for like 5G's, you can get like, you know, good HDSLR camera and audio equipment and everything. And I mean, you can essentially become like a, you know, a, a mobile documentary unit, which is uh, basically our, our motif. So, um, so, but it goes back to what Bill Saunders, uh, the gentleman sitting in the room, the older man who started off the thing, he said, you know, you don't do it for the glory, you don't do it because people are going to look up to you, they're going to respect you, you know, you don't, you're not doing it for any of those reasons, you're doing it because it's the right thing to do, you know, and it's It's a real honor to be here today and be invited to speak to everybody about this and obviously a lot of people are interested, which is very refreshing and, and feels good because i'll tell you like when and it's something that also didn't really come across in this because we hadn't moved to America Street yet when this was shot uh like i said it's the kind of the seed for all this started on america street um because that's where we saw the problem happening, but it's such a closed community that we didn't show up with cameras to America Street for six months. This was done before we ever showed up to America Street with cameras because we wanted to show the people on America Street what we had so that you know that really helped gain a lot of trust by then because people were like, okay, these, these guys aren't messing around. like They're serious about this. They've taken the time to do it right. And it was well-received, and we had a community showing, and it was really cool. I had a big discussion. Everybody was in a circle. I mean, we were talking about stuff like race and food access with, like, 10 people from the neighborhood, 10 people from outside. I mean, it was like a, that was a real victory, you know, but they were few and far between. Like, you know, those, those highlights were, uh, brief flashes in between, like, you know, trying to work in the neighborhood where there's really only a few people that were really supportive. And a lot of people, I mean, like, they it's just like, you know, they just, a lot of people just give you a look like, what are you doing here? You know, it's probably like people practically like spit in your face. And, but that's what you got to remember when you're doing something like this, that like, that's what the struggle is about, you know? That's, that's what, uh, you know, trying to be a revolutionary is about. You, it's, it's when you're struggling for people when they don't even care, when they, when they think you're an idiot for doing it, you know, you're just trying to do something positive that, you know, that, that's what really makes it worth it. So I just, those are the few of the things that maybe it was better to say afterwards anyway, but, um, yeah, if anybody's got any questions, I'd be happy to talk about some stuff. Questions on the film. Questions about Queen Quet, <laughs> She's awesome. Did you have any biases before shooting this film, or anything? did you um, hear any comments or feedback from folks who were interviewed or children that you did not expect? Um. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of feedback, which was great, and that was uh, that was the hope. Some people hardly responded with anything. Some people we never even got there. Uh, we, we did form a questionnaire that was more of a formality, but you know to go along with like s- personally sitting down with the people. Um, we really tried to keep it, even this, we really tried to keep it focused on what we had discussed with the people as to what they thought should be talked about. Um, the most interesting thing that came out and i don't know i'm not from the south i'm originally from cleveland um and so i know that the you know history here is very different race relations are very different here and it was something when we went to the low country food bank which was extremely supportive of our project and they're probably going to help us distribute it to um other food banks in the country and then hopefully to like community centers from there but we sat down with like 30 maybe 20 people at the food bank and we showed the film and then we had a discussion about it and one of the biggest things that came out of it was you know it's called America Street you know in part because this is going on everywhere in America they're like it needs to be more diverse and they're like you know why was it just focused on the black community and the answer to that was that that just happened to be the community that we were in you know I mean people say like well even america street in charleston there's there's white people and hispanics it's at least 95% black and the people that stepped up to want to work with us all happened to be black so it was just like you know uh, to me it was more i felt like i actually was happy that it turned out this way because to me it was more like other communities i mean it's no it's it's no secret people they they stick together you know and especially in I mean, where I'm from it's very ethnically divided although among whites it's like you got Irish neighborhoods and Italian neighborhoods and people stick together there so like to me it was like I was hoping that somebody would you know maybe a Puerto Rican community sees it and they could pull all the same stuff you know like uh, you know rather than the farmer out on John's Island maybe it's just a guy down the road that they can think of and like kinda of put in his place or the guy talking about the medicine, and you know, I mean, I, I feel like every community can uh, could identify with that. And I felt like it was easier rather than making some like cheesy like here's the Asian man commenting on it, and the Puerto Rican guy, and the black guy and the white, you know, like a like a fourth grade social studies book. Like I don't know, that's not the reality I've experienced. So, you know, that's does that answer your question? Come on, no, there's more questions. Well, what I would like to see happen with the film is again, well, let me preface that with, you know, like I said, this, this short version was only intended to be shown really to the people that were in the film and the neighborhood to use as a stepping stone. And we put it on our website and it got really well received and all sorts of people saw it. And, you know, I figured, well, you know, if it can at least lead to some discussion, that, that's another thing, it, the idea of the activist filmmaking that, like we're creating some kind of positive, at least motion, you know, in in the process. You know, films take a long time to make. There's no there's no reason to hide it in your, in your editing lab, you know, and then come out with it at the end and like here, here it is, you know, final product. You know, it's it's been an experience for me. I mean, I got to sit down with all these incredible people, and talk with them for hours and hours. Like, I mean, it's been a growing process for myself. You know, I've de- I feel like I've developed a lot just as a, as a person and. So at the end, when we have hopefully like a 45-minute to an hour-long version, where we're really going to focus more on the food access part. We need we need a storyline. I mean, there's no story here, basically. It's just a bunch of people with a lot of really good things to say. And uh, so we want to kind of have a storyline around food access and focus on traditional food access, modern, and then kind of what I call submodern, modern um, And then... What I want to see happen is through the Low Country Food Bank, they said that they would help us out distribute it. So I figure we can send, if we get a, there's like 300, let's just say 200. There's 200 food banks in the country that would receive it. We make 1,000 copies of the DVD, so we could send out five copies to each food bank. I imagine there's got to be at least one person there that would be passionate about the idea and would know, you know, five people in the city that the food bank distributes to that they could, you know... Make sure to put the copy in somebody's hand. That's something else I learned. Like, stuff doesn't get done without one person, at least one person, just being like on the ball all the time. So, if one person at each of these places could find, you know, a community center or a soup kitchen that would want to have a showing, you know, all of a sudden you have got a thousand places across the country that are watching the film and you know, hopefully, uh, inspiring people to to do, you know, start community gardens, um, anything really. The you know the the opportunities are endless, really. That's all I want for it. <laughs> Come on. Since you mentioned Queen Quit, <laughs> um, is there a golden nation? A new concept to me. Uh, my understanding is that it stretches from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida, and basically includes all the people who, you know, have descended from slaves, who have maintained their connection to the land, more or less, who speak Gullah, or at least Geechee, which is the pidgin language in between English and Gullah. Um, Gullah itself is an actual language. It's, uh, it originally developed from a slave trading language on the western coast of Africa between African slave traders and European slave traders as a means to communicate, and I believe there's like, English, Yoruba, Portuguese, all sorts of stuff mixed in with that. You know, it's been oftentimes criticized and probably fueled more by racism than anything else that it was like, kind of, assumed to be this like, dumbed down version of English or something, you know, like, as if like, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a joke, you know, it's so stupid, but it's, uh, if you, people have, you know, linguists have studied it and it actually has, it's more of an African, linguistic structure so that's why the words are all mixed up it's not because they don't know where to put the words in the right place it's that that that's what like it's more based on Yoruba I believe uh, and uh yeah I'm I, I just I had you know understood there about the, the culture and the language but is it actually a nation she she was talking about a nation sure like, sure Canada. sorry I got a little United. off I'm not sure what the United Nations, like what the status requirements are, but I would believe that it's more akin to something like a Native American nation in the United States um, in that, you know, maybe their political land boundaries cross, you know, states, lines, and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, in that sense, I believe... I mean, yeah, I, I do believe it is considered an official nation. Any questions about, like, the, actually, filmmaking process or anything like that? I was just curious how you how you kind of support doing this. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of time, and I assume you need to eat. <laughs> yeah, I don't eat that often, so. Which is annoying when you're working on a food uh, food access film. Yeah. Now, it's, it's been all paid for out of pocket um, with uh, a couple of my friends and I. Like I said, I mean, we we had really, really low tech gear. Um, I just got a nice camera upgrade and better audio equipment. So everything that um, I'll be producing, which people can check out on the Tiranita Films website, it's going to look a lot better, um, which kind of puts me in a bind because this project isn't done. Um, it's it's taken a lot longer than I had originally anticipated and I've actually already committed to uh, going to Nicaragua for six months. I eventually plan on moving down there and uh, and continuing this idea of activist filmmaking down there and trying to really give voice to uh, a lot of indigenous communities. That's kind of the uh, the end focus. So I'm going down there for six months. I actually live on Monday. And, uh, and so when I come back, it's gonna be like, okay, well, I'll have all this experience shooting with these nicer cameras, and then if we're going to sync video with this, you know, I might have to go back to using the little handy cam, so that's going to be fun. But if anyone would like to donate to Tiro Nita Films, you're more than welcome to. We have no money. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah, did you have a question? Sorry. Um, How how did you get um, people to participate in your film? Sure. Like I said, uh, Being involved in that garden with the Boys and Girls Club in the neighborhood was really like my foot in the door, kind of. Um, You know, we just kept at it. We were, you know, we were working on this garden for almost a year. And so, you know, I, I just started spending time with people in the neighborhood. Like, you know, you go down the street to, you know, get a Gatorade or something. Just start talking to the people working there. And it was actually, it was really interesting. There was kind of a kind of crazy sequence of events that led us to meet this one really key figure that. My buddy Lucas and I, we were just walking down America Street one day when we were really starting to think about this. We were in a political science capstone, it was like our last class last spring, um, as seniors at College of Charleston. And uh we were just walking down America Street and there's just some older guys hanging out, and we had heard about like that there used to be um that like people used to grow a lot of food down there and everything. So we just went over and asked these gentlemen, we're like, you know, what did things used to be like around here, you know? And we're just interested. Uh, we're taking this class, and blah blah blah. And so they start telling us like, oh yeah, they used to have chickens over there, goats over there, all this stuff. And they're like, you know, you really got to talk to you got to talk to this guy Harold Green. Harold Green. What worked for the Eastside Community Development Center on America Street. And we caught him as he was rushing out the door. And these like this old guy took us down to him. Harold, you got to talk to these guys. He talks for a second. He's like. He's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but who you really need to talk to is Joseph Watson. And I never would have met Joseph Watson because Joseph Watson works in this little, it's his mom's shop. It's painted all black on the outside. It look—it really does look like a little cave. Like you can't see inside. It's like, you just never really think to go in. You know, it's just kind of out of the way. And Harold Green died like two days after that, which was uh, really sad. And, um, but it was like, I don't know. It was just—it was kind of crazy to think that it was like kind of one of the last things he did was point us over to Just Watson. Just Watson ended up putting us in touch with almost everybody, so we're definitely dedicating uh, the film to him. So random sequence of events is the best answer for uh, finding people, <laughs> and we interviewed a lot more people than was in here, you know. And, and you don't use everybody, and that's. You know, especially when you're trying to do it with the community, it's kind of weird. Like you don't want to offend someone. It's not it's like it's not like it wasn't anything substantive or interesting, it just didn't fit, you know. some people were a little <coughs> turned off by that, but whatever, you know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What do you attribute your activist roots to? Um I studied I had the opportunity to study abroad in Cuba. And um in Cuba well, it's been kind of a, I would say it's kind of a long history. When I was 16 years old, I had the opportunity to go on vacation on one of those like nice, all-inclusive uh, resort vacations in the Dominican Republic. And uh, you know, the first thing they do is they give you the little bracelet saying that you can drink as much as you want that week for free. And then the next thing they do is tell you, don't go down to the public beach, uh, just stay on the hotel beach. And I found that really odd. So the first thing I did was go down to the public beach and which you had to pass guards with shotguns. And the guy said in broken English, he's like, use your head. And I was like, alright man, got it. (laughs) And I was more interested in just practicing my broken Spanish at the time. And then we got to go on this really kind of repulsive idea of a uh, almost like a safari through, you know, a developing country. I'm sure many other people may be aware of these. They basically leave the resort. You drive around the shanty towns and basically feel sorry for all the poor people there. And that was really uh something just switched in that moment. You know, I was like, I need to—I need to learn Spanish so I can talk to these people and and uh, figure out what's going on down here. I was only sixteen; and I didn't really know much. And so, um, then I got the opportunity to study in Cuba. It was one of the reasons I went to College Charleston. They're one of eight schools in the country that has a program there. And so. Uh, went down there, and this guy, Umberto Miranda, who is a true revolutionary and a philosopher, he works for the Institute of Philosophy. He's got, like, the best gig ever. He just gets paid to think by the Cuban government. And uh, <laughs> and we got to, he was, like, our, our leader, our mentor, everything in Cuba. He was a teacher. He did everything. He ran the show. And uh, we were there for three months in Havana. And it was in that time that I got turned on to the idea of um of different realities, basically, uh Umberto kind of conveyed the idea to us that you know, Cuba is not better or worse than the United States, it's simply a different reality. And I found that to be very true, and I also realized that he treated us with as much respect as he would Fidel Castro, you know, that well, sure you know maybe some authority uh has more experience and has some big position but he doesn't have the experience of maybe living under that uh regime or whatever you know that that you know a a middle schooler has a is experiencing reality in a way that today that I would never experience you know just as uh you know, someone who works here at the University of South Carolina uh, doesn't have my experience. Uh, that doesn't make either better or worse. It's simply that you can learn from everyone all the time and to start building a more complex picture. And, I, you know, i it's kind of with all of that that I have come to kind of view the world and um, kind of see things in layers of reality. And that's one of the perks of trying to be a documentary filmmaker, is that you kind of get to try to peel away those layers and expose them to people in an appropriate manner. More questions about reality? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. I'll... I'll uh, I'd like for people to visit our site too. and about using for interventions, especially nutrition. And like I said, um, I'm moving to Nicaragua on Monday, and I plan on doing a lot of video work down there. And um, there's an election coming up very soon that might might be covering some of that. Um, definitely doing a lot of interviews. So anything that we produce will be available at www.tirunetafilms.org. And th- this is actually one other thing that I, r- I really would like to mention. Um, you know, I don't know how many people here are, you know, maybe interested in, uh, you know political and social injustice in the Americas, but on this website, like, we basically had it customized, built by a guy who really gets, like, everything that we're trying to do. And and it's kind of optimized for discussion about issues like that. So, you know, like, a lot of groups, like, you know, say a college, there's a, there's a group called Surla up in Ontario, the Students United in Representation of Latin America. And they do a really good job of posting articles and videos and all this stuff and have people discuss it but it's on Facebook and a well I'm sure like the powers that be are watching everything but you know it's uh it's Facebook's not really optimized for discussion like this and like we had our site optimized for like good solid discussion where people can go back and forth and respond to each other and post new articles and all that stuff so you know being a generation that really uses the internet all the time I think we need to make that step to like also incorporate our you know, political and social views and to, like, try to try to utilize it. And, I mean, it's there for free for everybody. And, you know, I really, I'm, I'm hoping that we can build almost like a network. And it would also be a place to, to kind of, like, oh, wow, this person keeps commenting. They seem interested in what I am. Like, you know, you can contact them through that and maybe build something from there. So it would be cool if people checked it out. Thank you again.